Welcome to the Audible presented by Verizon. With 5G built right for the Vikings, Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality. Well, Ben, this is episode four of the Audible presented by Verizon. Of course, my name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ben Lieber. And we finally got a win in the win column. <laughs> Before we talk about that, I got to give fans an update on who is going to be joining the show today. And it's none other than the $92 million man Woo, himself. Oh, boy. Is he, he going to come in here and just like with his bag of money, just, <laughs> yeah. just weighing him down? Yeah, just pull him down. Okay. Yeah. So it's only $80 million in this bag. But his name is Brian O'Neill, and he is one of the best right tackles in the game. We'll get an opportunity to learn a little bit more about him, get to learn a little bit more about him off the field as well as on the field, but more importantly about this upcoming matchup against Miles Garrett mm. and Jadavion Clowney. But like I was talking about in the beginning, we beat the Seattle Seahawks, got, on the, got in the win column for the first time. You had us winning by 10. We won by 13, winning 30 to 17, a tale of two halves. Uh, this Minnesota Vikings offense and, well, defense in particular, yeah. gave up 17 first-half points. Figured it out in the end because the offense controlled the time of possession. But your overall thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings win last week, last <laughs> Sunday, in front of 66,729 Purple wow, you got fans. the exact number I in there. got the number. You got the exact number. <laughs> I just went 66,000 plus. Yeah. Mm. Oh, but got, but got really, to have the nine. Yeah, you got to have the details. All about the details. Um, well, first of all, it was it was fantastic to have the fans in there. Um, Vikings production, you know, has kind of a, the new opening. Love that. You know, I, I do think that uh, I tell all the fans there, if they're going to the game for the first time, get there early because there's a lot to see and do in and around the stadium and then all the pre-production stuff uh pre-game production stuff i should say that happens before the players even run out is something to watch as well it's the, it's the experience that you don't get on tv right. um it, it was great to see it was fresh uh you could feel the energy in the building the fans were hype at all the right moments so i i thought they really brought their a game as as much as the the players and the team did I mean, there's a lot to be excited about when you watch this last game and you look at it and you kind of analyze it. You know, Alexander Madison going for 112 rushing on the ground, along with the screen game and the passing game as well, over 170 yards total offense out of him. Um, he filled in great. I mean, I thought his vision was incredible. I thought his lateral movement was quicker than we've seen in the past. You could tell he was juiced up and ready to go. Offensive line played great. Clint Kubiak called a great game. Kirk has been outstanding. And then the defense, um, oh, Tyler Conklin, oh. Can't, can't forget that. He, oh. he, he splashed in a major way, career day for him. Yep. Uh, good to get the tight ends involved. The defensively, didn't love the first half. Um, you know, it seems like some of the issues we had in week two with Arizona where we were dropping guys in coverage, where we just weren't alert, maybe our, our, our eye discipline or whatever it was just wasn't there in the first half. Come out in the second half, like you mentioned, time of possession really favored our defense. Uh, kept their offense on the field or on the sideline. I do think in the second half, we, our, our pressure packages really confused them, along yeah. with the crowd noise. When we went up there and mugged a bunch of guys and we would either drop all seven and only rush four or run a zone blitz or bring a fifth or sixth extra guy, it had those guys confused. You could tell they were off balance. Yeah. And, and I was surprised that Russell Wilson was as sort of skittish as he was yeah. Uh, on some of his passions, really rushing some throws. When, when you look back at the film, like, that's not usually him. Right. Like, usually he stays in the, in the pocket a little bit more and delivers a strike when he knows he's going to get hit. But he wanted no part of that, of that blitz package, yeah. and, uh, and it really affected him. It really affected him. And like you said, the crowd noise, 
that played a big factor too. 66 plus thousand fans in attendance. It was Russell Wilson's first ever game at U.S. Bank Stadium, so maybe that played into the effect of him being skittish a little bit. But like you said, when you look on the film, it's just like Russell usually makes some of those throws. Worked in our favor this time, but at the end of the day, I got to talk about these fans. I know for players, there's, there's for a lot of players, it was their first time in over a year having fans. For Justin Jefferson, he's never seen it. Um, you're on the field. I'm in the booth during the game. But for being on the field, not being in a jersey, what was the experience like for you? Well, that, that first goal chant that they did, um, you could see – and I, and I sort of just like consciously tried to pay attention to this is I was looking on the other side of the field yeah, and I could see a lot of the Seahawks players sort of enamored as well. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were curious. I'm sure a lot of those guys have never seen it in person and you could just see them all just kind of like looking around and yeah. looking around. And so like, so they were, they were, you know, into it and, and in, a, in a way it kind of took them out of their mindset. Right. And of course I looked in our own sidelines and you see a lot of our guys like big smiles on their yeah. faces. They were, they were loving it. They you were feeling it. there and that was juicing them up. Yeah. Um, and that happened at several points in the game. And then like I talked about with um, the blitz package in the second half, there'd be a couple plays where the play would happen, we get some pressure on Russell, and then you immediately see the offensive linemen all looking at each other, all trying to communicate, like yeah. pointing, like, you know, almost like you, I thought you had this yeah. guy, I had this guy, we were doing this. So they were discombobulated. You right. know, they, I don't think they could hear because of the, the crowd noise. Um, they were confused by, by the number of guys lining up in the gaps and didn't know what was going to happen. So it all works together. Right. That's, that's why you want to play at home in front of a crowd like ours. Kirk Cousins just in particular, I mean, he's, he's having a year at 918 passing yards in his first three games, but last game had, had to be arguably his best game of the season or one of the best games we've seen in a while from him. Yeah, and the funny thing is it, it wasn't even a game, you know, I remember kind of saying the same thing last year when he was on that five or six game stretch where he was playing really well. And we were all saying that because he was using his legs and he was extending plays. And we're like, whoa, that's got to be his best game ever because not only was he a great passer, but he was eluding the rush and he was feeling the pocket and, and he was extending plays and he got picked up a, first, a couple first downs with his legs. Like, we, I remember having those conversations, but we were talking about it in a sense of him using his legs. Yep. This last game, it wasn't really about using the legs. It was about being a master of the offense. Yeah. You know, being a, being a true master on the field. And I think that's where I, I do hope that if there was something that clicked a little bit more in this game, that it's something that he can repeat. Because yeah. it looked like to me that he was a step or two ahead of the defense. Yeah. He knew exactly where it was going to go. And then when he didn't know, or, or we would miss a block, or they bring an extra rusher in his face, he didn't panic. Yeah. We didn't see that panic from Kirk that we've seen sometimes when the pocket collapses, or you get a free rusher. Yeah. There was never that like, Oh, no moment. Yeah. It was like, cool, I see you. Right. I'm going to dagger you with something. And, and I know where my hots are and I know where my outlets are. Well, you know who was really good when they played here? His name was Kevin Williams. Mm. He was your teammate. Mm -hmm. He's going to induct into the ring of honor this upcoming Sunday. So before, before we go any further, what was your favorite memory of, of him? You played with him for five years. Yeah. You know, Kevin, is, he's a special player um, because he never wanted the attention on himself mm. you know he he sort of had an offensive lineman mentality mentality where he was all about just doing the work and and he'll get 
he'll get his proper praise when it's when it's granted and and when it's acceptable at the right time. And we definitely gave it gave it to him in the locker room. It's funny, you know, around here in these parts, you know, Kevin Garnett was known as the big ticket yeah. with uh, with the Timberwolves, and you know, he was our big ticket in the locker room. I mean, that was that was his nickname, Ticket or Big Ticket, and yeah. and you know, you got Garnett who's bombastic yeah. right like he is out there he is he is making everybody known that he's in the room and, yeah. and then our big ticket was quiet guy right you know um i mean some of my favorite memories are really just the way he he went out and worked every day i mean he was um sort of this quiet destroyer that would go out there and you know he he always chewed gum you know when he played whether it's um practice or in a game he never wore a mouthpiece um, and so he would just sort of, I don't know how he did it where he That's didn't. so crazy. Yeah, I don't know how he did it where he didn't choke on it. Um, I don't know if it was the same piece of gum. I don't know if he'd oh, lose God. it in a game and he would just have to get multiple sticks during the course of the game. I hope it was like big league chew where you could like take out a big No, I, I think it was just like a single stick of gum. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's funny because, you know, you've got this guy that is extremely explosive um, you know, great technician of what he's doing. You know, one of the best three techniques in the in the game. And you know, you'd be in, you'd be calling a play. Uh, he might just come off a sack. Yeah. You know, do a little celebration, and he's got to get the next play, and he's just like chewing on his gum. And I was like, <laughs> dude, you're just like, like get excited, man. Yeah, you're just like just hanging out, just playing football. Yeah. You know, having fun, and and he kind of had that uh, that backyard mentality where. He's just chewing gum and relaxing. You know, the other, the other thing is, um, and I'd never seen this before, so I, I wondered for the first couple of weeks, like, what was going on. Yeah. When I got here in 2006, you know, first game, I noticed he sits just like this on the edge of the, the bench, and yep. he puts a Gatorade towel on, on his feet, and he just... And just, <laughs> oh, he pukes? He just pukes up oh, everything. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't, I, you know... I've seen that, but, like, but, a guy that big? Yeah, he just... I, I asked him later on, like, why do you do it? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I, he was like, I just feel better when I don't have anything in my stomach, so I just make sure that I get everything out. So, I, dude, I, I don't know his whole <laughs> regimen. I don't know when he eats breakfast for a noon game. I don't know if he's, like, up super early having yeah. breakfast or he doesn't eat breakfast. or I, I don't know. It was bizarre because it's not like he had to gag himself. Yeah. Oh, so it just He naturally, just would, like, do oh it. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, how do you So it's do like that? clockwork. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. I'm sick. I don't even want to puke. You know? Yeah. yeah I like that thought of me puking. I'll drink a sprite. It. Yeah. And he's over just like, like a cat, just like a. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, he made a lot of opposing yeah. quarterbacks throw up. Well, at least after he sacked those quarterbacks. I mean, 63 career sacks overall. It'll be exciting just to see him uh, back at US Bank Stadium in front of this purple, uh, raucous crowd and just getting the, the, the honor that he deserves, yeah. getting into the ring of honor. So, um, Ben, we got to go to break. We got to pay some bills. But in the meantime, that's Kevin Williams. Stay tuned for our guest of the week, Brian O'Neill, joining the Audible right here, presented by Verizon. All right, we are back. This is the Audible presented by Verizon. My name is Gabe Henderson, and I am alongside offensive tackle for the Vikings, Brian O'Neill. B.O., how you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So we start every segment off with a trivia question. Okay. The, today we got two trivia questions. One's Pitt Panther theme because you went to the University of Pitt. The other, the other is Vikings theme. You, you ready? Yep. All right. First question. Since 2015... How many Pitt players 
have been drafted by the Vikings? Four. TJ Clemmings, offensive tackle. Okay. Myself, offensive tackle. Pat Jones, defensive end, and Jalen Twyman, a defensive tackle. It's like you like looking at my sheet. You got it. You literally got him in order. So you know your guy. I mean, there's only one before me, and then there's two rookies this year. So it's pretty, pretty. I mean, I don't want to say basic, but like <laughs> it's right. pretty basic. All right. Well, since that's basic, which pit player was drafted the highest by the Vikings? Myself. Mmm. This guy was drafted in 1985. Oh, like overall. Overall. Chris Dolman. Wow. Yeah. So he was drafted fourth overall in the 1985 draft. You are the third highest pit player drafted behind Chris Dolman and Randy Holloway, who was the 21st overall in 1978. All three of you guys were drafted by the Vikings, but you got it right. Okay. You got cool. it right. Cool. I so wouldn't have gotten Randy Holloway, but. Really? No. I don't know who that is, but. <laughs> it's all good. But I, we, we got to start because, you know, I prefaced this question by saying a couple of weeks ago we had Michael Pierce in, in the seat that you had on and that you're sitting in right now. And I asked him, I said, like, what's the last debate that you've had in the locker room or, like, with one of your teammates? Like, a fun question. And it was, like, financial literacy. Like, him, Dalvin Tomlinson, like, a lot of the defense linemen were talking about financial literacy, what they can do with their finances, how they can save money up, and so on and so forth. You majored in finance at the University of Pitt. Why? Um, I thought you were going to ask me my last debate. In oh, that's coming up. Uh, <laughs> but at the time, I knew I wanted to be in the business school, um, and I knew I didn't want to be like an HR marketing. I just didn't think that gave me enough options at the time, and I knew yeah. I wasn't going to be an accountant, and so finance was the next best major that I felt was going to push me and was respectable enough to yeah. maybe get a job if football didn't work out. But hopefully I don't ever have to have a job in finance because I hated every minute of it. Yeah. So you hated every minute of it, but it was still something that pushed you. Yeah, no doubt. I had to work hard at school. Okay. Now going back to my other question that you thought I was going to ask you, what was the last great debate that you've had? With I, don't, your I don't know if it's a great debate, but there was a question posed in the locker room is, if you won the lottery for $450 million, would you come into the building the next day? <laughs> and like the overwhelming responses were yes. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, then like for anybody, this, it's just even more fun because it's just coming in to play football and you don't have to worry about anything mm. except like doing your best and being the best you can be. So like 450 million on top of your salary. Yeah. I mean, I guess Pat Mahomes could probably probably answer that question but still that's oh man that's not really a good debate we've had better ones but okay you got another one? Mm, one that's appropriate for this podcast <laughs> one that is appropriate for the um, podcast let's let's come back to that I can, okay. probably, I can probably think of one all right well we're gonna rewind back uh to you when you played in high school you're from Wilmington Delaware uh born and raised there right yep so are you were you west of I-95 or east of I-95 I know it's like Jersey, Philly, Delaware, all within that area. I don't know. I-95 was like a 30-second drive from my house. Right. So I want to say east. Okay. But um, I-95 was like the main highway I took. I was three exits uh, into Delaware on 95 from like Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. So I always tell people, like when I went to Pittsburgh, I was like, I'm from Delaware. And people are like, where's Delaware? And I'm like, oh, it's like 30, 40 minutes outside of Philly. Yeah. And then there's people who lived two hours away from Philly, and they're like, oh, I'm from just outside of Philly. And everybody's like, oh, I got it. I'm like, 
I'm from Delaware and you think I live in Maine. Yeah. <laughs> but like I'm closer to Philly than you are. But uh, yeah, right, right south of Philly. I guess like for Minnesota, it's like saying you live like in Hudson, Wisconsin. It's like how, like Wisconsin, like why are you living 30 minutes away when you can say like, hey, well, I'm actually like in Roseville, which is yeah. 30. So I, I get what you're saying. You can be in a different state, but still be closer no doubt. Uh, to the actual city. But I mean, I would last night I was watching your high school basketball highlight tape and I was like, like, why is never why has nobody ever like brought this up? Averaging 13.8 points in high school, you play with Dante DiVincenzo. Yep, yep. Like you were number 24. Like talk to me, man. Like we got the pictures in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like you. I were was hoping pretty... nobody would ever find those. They actually <laughs> played them in the offensive meeting one time last year, in front of the whole offense. Um, there was some laughs for sure. But it's it probably got to be some like oh like because you don't expect that from an offensive lineman. I know you didn't play offensive lineman in high school, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, a lot of people came up to me afterwards, like, hey, I'll bet you we, I'll beat you in one-on-one after seeing it. I was like, dang, it was that bad. So do you, do you have a teammate that you could say right now at 305 that I could beat this person in basketball? Who would it be? I mean, I always tell Rashad that I could beat him. He's pretty good, though. Yeah, right? he is. And I've heard he's actually really good. I haven't seen him play. Um, but – from my understanding is Justin's the best player on the team hmm. and it's not close. So you take that as a challenge? No, I, I, <laughs> I want no part of that, but just general knowledge for the fans out there. Apparently JJ is the best by far. Tyler Conklin out here is pretty good too. He is good. He actually went to central Michigan mm -hmm. to play basketball at first. It's crazy. Like seeing bigger guys like you playing like point guard. Like I was reading an article your coach basically said you played center, but in your head you were a point guard. Like you, you were a slasher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, so you're good with the ball in your hands? No, I just thought I was. <laughs> so, but with that said, I mean, it takes uh, a certain <clears throat> amount of footwork, right, to be good in basketball, to be a slasher, to play in the post. And I'm sure that's like translated to when you got to college, right, when you moved from tight end to left tackle or right tackle at University of Pitt? Yeah, okay, so this was a debate that we had in the training room today, okay. and I'm happy you brought it up. Adam Thielen said that basketball players are the best athletes, and people who are really good at basketball can play other sports. And the argument was that basketball players are better at every other sport than hockey players. And like hockey players can only play hockey yeah. was like the premise of the argument. And he was like, I wouldn't be in the NFL if I didn't play basketball. <laughs> and so the argument was like, if you're good at basketball, that translates to many other sports. So what are you? What's your? I agree. I, play, I mean, I grew up playing basketball. I thought that's what I was going to be best at. I thought that was my favorite for a while. Then I got into high school a year or two. I was like, all right, I could probably play college football. That's a great point. I, I would probably, I would agree with you that basketball players like it translates to other sports, but like best athletes, I think triathletes are. To be able to run, swim, and I can't think of the third, or bike and bike, like all in one sequence, it takes a lot of stamina, but like, that's, that's like a level of like athleticism that's like out of this world. Yeah, but that's all endurance based. You take, I mean like, I personally think the best athletes are like world-class soccer players. Mm. It's like they got to have endurance, they got to have skill, they got to yeah. have hand, foot, you can't use your hands. foot, eye coordination, however you want to put it. But I don't know. That was, that was, the, that was a heated debate today okay. in the locker room was if hockey players could be good athletes in anything else. I worked at a hockey rink for three years, and hockey players are just really, they're really, like, 
we had a debate, and it's like there's more skill involved in hockey than it is like basketball or football. So I feel like as far as overall athleticism, basketball probably takes the cake. Yeah, I'd agree. You agree? Yeah. All right, but there's things that fast like NBA players can do that like nobody nobody else can. Right. Like LeBron could come in and yeah. be a really he good could tight end. be a good tight end. He could be a good receiver. But you don't think a regular football player could go and play basketball and like be legit other than JJ? Maybe he's got a shot. If anybody's <laughs> got a shot, it's him. But we went back. We were talking about footwork. That footwork from basketball, I hoped you you got to pit. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I think so. Also playing wide receiver and tight end in high school, being what I thought was a skilled position yeah. player, um, that helped. Everything translated. Um, I just think all kids should play multiple sports yes. growing up in high school. Um, I just think it helps. It's more fun. It helps you learn different things. You learn different ways to accomplish goals. I think football is the ultimate team sport because no you have a 20, well, 11 players on the field at one time from so many different walks of life working towards a common goal, and then you actually achieve a goal together. It's like, hey, we just put all of our differences aside to actually win this game, and then it just brings people from around the world and around the country together to be able to get things done. Would you agree? No doubt. That's one of the coolest parts about the NFL is just the amount of time I spend with people who I might never have become friends with or crossed paths with yeah. um, ever is the amount of people you're exposed to that come from different backgrounds, different stories. Mm. When, did, when did the NFL become a, a thought? Because, like I said, you play wide receiver and defensive end in high school, yeah. tight end in college. I'm sure it was probably some growing pains when you got the call of like, hey, we're moving you to tackle now. So like yeah. through all of that that you went through, when did, hey, I can actually be okay at this? I don't know. I mean, like I grew up saying like, I want to be a pro football player, just like every kid. But like that was kind of just a dream. Like as a yeah. kid, you never really like think of actual steps you're going to take to get there. Yeah. Um, and then once I got to Pitt and they asked me to make a position switch after I redshirted for a year, it was like, hey, look, part of the reason why we're asking you to do this is there's a much better future here for you. Mm. Uh, look at all the examples of people who have done it, or you could be a backup tight end, or you could have a chance to have a better shot to play. And at that point, that's when it really came into my mind of like, this is probably going to give me the best chance to play. Yeah. Um, and then after I had my first year at offensive tackle in 2015, going into the 2016 season, I was like, all right, like, I have three years left. Yeah. Hopefully I can get there in two. I want to go the I want to be in tackle in the NFL. So like after my red shirt freshman year of college. So yeah, wow. two years into college. That's crazy that you, it took. I mean, it, like, was it a play or was it a, a game or was it because I know you said it was a thought process of like, OK, I can actually play. But yeah. when did it click like, oh, like I'm actually blocking this guy or I can actually do this and I'm <clears throat> fairly decent at it, too. I would say the whole first year was a blur, kind of like it was okay. here, to be honest of just trying to get through and do the best you can. And then that offseason, you're like, oh, wow, I actually, I was okay. Like, if I make some strides this year, like, I could really do this. Hmm. So, like, that offseason. Okay. So It's kind of like your rookie year, you get through and you're like, I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. Then you get through Thanks, and you're man. like, now I know what it takes to have a little sliver of success. Yeah. I want way more of it. And you kind of just build from there. I figured you would say it, they probably convinced you that, hey, we'll give you a couple of, you know, reverses or a couple of passes here and a screen pass and you can score a touchdown if you <laughs> go play tackle for us. That didn't – those kind of things didn't happen for me in college until I had a really good full year. Okay. Um, so that stuff didn't really come till the next year. Gotcha. 
did you pick up any hobbies? Do you have any hobbies that you've like learned to love off the field that I guess helps you find that balance when you're not playing? Yeah, me and Garrett and a bunch of the guys have picked up golf a lot more in the yeah. last I saw a years. picture. I think yeah. we got a picture of you. Yeah, there we oh, go. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. Um, the view looks good. The yeah, that's good. That's at Torrey Pines in California. Yep. Um, but I played occasionally with my dad in high school when I would go home from college. And then okay. it kind of became something to do in the off seasons now. I okay. play a bunch. But I wish it was something I could do during the season. But I don't, just don't think it's smart. Body, body wouldn't yeah. love it swinging a club right now. Two questions. Do you think you could beat Adam Thielen, P2, or Kirk in a, in a round of golf? I've played with all of them and no chance. <laughs> so what's better, your, your pass blocking sets or your driving? I would hope my pass blocking sets. <laughs> I actually, at the Mike Zimmer golf outing two years ago, pre-COVID, yeah. I was in a group with uh, Mark Wilf, one of the owners, his son, and his nephew. Yeah. So it was us four in, like a, in a group. Yep. And every time I hit a bad shot, he was like, hey, man, you, you spend too much time playing football. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, so like, he like, totally hugged me up the whole time. It was good. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's, I guess that's a compliment, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, we, you do a better job of blocking. I guess. We, we want you to stick with that. This is something you can learn to grow over, over time. But the fact that, you are, that you've tried to figure out new things outside of football, I think anybody can appreciate that, right? Because it's, it's a balance. Yeah, no doubt. Um, trying to find an escape, find a sense of normal life in the season. Well, now we got to talk a little bit on the field. Off the field is over. It's game week. We finally got a win. No we'll talk about that once we come back from break. And welcome back to the Audible presented by Verizon. And let's get right back to it with right tackle Brian O'Neill. All right, we are back. This is the Audible presented by Verizon. I'm alongside Brian O'Neill, Vikings right tackle. My name is Gabe Henderson. And Brian, we have a big, big game on Sunday. Every game is big, right? But when you're playing a team in the Cleveland Browns that made it to the playoffs last year, we have a lot of similarities with those guys this game, you know, this, the stakes raise a little bit higher, even though we want to get a win. So when you have seen these guys on film, I'm sure you've watched film, a lot of film. I hope you have at least. What are some things that, that stand out to you? Just the talent they have up front. Um, have a ton of respect for Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley, a former teammate of Fadi Adenabo. Um, so just the guys they have up front are, you know, are really talented, and it's going to be a big challenge for our group up front. But um, we're going to have a good week and go out and, Throw our best shot. How does preparing with a guy like Daniel Hunter help when preparing for Miles Garrett or Jadavion Clowney? Even though they're different guys, the, the caliber of talent, how does that compare? It helps a lot. I mean, um, Daniel goes hard every single day in practice. He doesn't take a day off. He doesn't take a rep off. Um, he, you know, he's a world-class player. He's a professional. So um, he gives a great look. Whenever I get a chance to go up against him, especially on a week like this where you're going to see somebody at the same level, yeah. um, is huge. Because you can't really ever simulate those reps going against a scout team, but you can against a guy like Daniel. 
I mean, you've been here for, for a little bit now. You're starting to, to grow. You finally got the extension that, that was well-deserved. But now you got guys looking up to you that you're, you're bringing along. A Christian Derisaw, who had his first full practice in the NFL this week. How has it been, you know, growing with him as well as these other guys that, that look up to you? I know you don't think they look up to you, but you're, you're the guy now. Uh, I mean, it's cool. It was cool to see Christian out there because um, you never really know. The only way he can – you can gauge his progress is by whether he's answering the questions right or paying attention in meetings or taking the right footwork and individual, um, which he was. But you really don't know until you see somebody go block somebody yeah. at full speed live rep. And he did that and did it really well. And there was a couple of times you're like, OK, like, <laughs> let's go. You know, it was good to see. Like, it was good to see him, like, make a good block and then, like, smile and be excited about playing football just because he hasn't. Um, and we haven't seen it. And so. I'm really excited for him. I hope he keeps working and keeps getting better. Uh, for you, seeing a guy that's going through, you know, the mental the mental challenge of not being able to play, like, have have you been able to say a couple of words to encourage him, or how has the conversations been? Just you know, helping him get back, even though it's been, you know, mental versus physical. Yeah, no doubt. Um, one of the things Coach Kubiak always says is, nobody has any idea if you've been working until it's time to go. So nobody really, I don't want to say nobody cares right now, but yeah. until it's time to go and put and like the lights come on, if you're ready to go, people will notice. Yeah. And you kind of have to grind in silence to be able to, you know, show out on Sunday in the game day. Um, and nobody really knows until you go out there yeah. and you handle your business and you're doing well. So uh, he took a first step today, but I'm just trying to keep him positive, keep him engaged because he has a role and he's going he's gonna to help us out. For sure. We're, I think we're all looking forward to it. I think Rashad Hill is doing a good job until, you know, Christian Derisaw's opportunity presents itself. But we, we got to play a game. We got to get ready and we got to get going. But you talked about Clint Kubiak. Of course, he's on the field. He's in the meeting rooms. But Rick Dennison, like, is he this isn't a trick question, but like, is Rick Dennison still a part of, you know, the meetings along with Phil Rauscher? Um, yeah, I mean, from what I understand is Phil talks to him every day. Okay. And he's still involved with all our game planning and all our coaching. Um, just because the face-to-face interaction with the players right. is different. Is different. Um, I, you know, he still has a big influence on our offense and how we run things. So, understanding that, I mean, last week, Alexander Madison, phenomenal game. Of course, he gives all the credit to the offensive line, which rightfully so, you guys got to open up holes for him. But when blocking for Alexander Madison versus a Dalvin Cook, did, does anything change? Like, do you guys, like, do you have to walk through things of like, hey, this is how I like to cut, this is how I like to run? Like, what is that dynamic like? To be honest, for us, there's no difference. Okay. I mean, I didn't notice any different calls. Okay. We didn't change up anything we were trying to do offensively. He gives us the full playbook just as Dalvin does. Um, it speaks to his preparation because he doesn't always get as many reps in practice yeah. as Dalvin does. But uh hats off to Matt he had a great game and it felt good to get a four minute drive a long drive at the end of the game because we kind of owed him one from the previous year on a fourth down so I was just happy for him to have the success that he did because he deserves it when when do you actually see a big play happen because I mean we've seen you mic'd up a few times and we see you blocking and you just like let's go so like when does when does it actually register that like oh shoot like this he actually ran behind me and he actually got big yardage. Yeah, sometimes like you're blocking your guy and you kind of like look up and you see it on the scoreboard. Yeah. Um, or like right after the play, you don't really know what happened. And I like try to watch as many replays on the scoreboard as I can. Yeah. 
Um, so sometimes, like when they're doing different things on the scoreboard, whether it's like the wave or the whatever fan thing they're doing, I'm like, I want to see the I want to see the replay <laughs> um, instead of whatever graphic they're showing. But usually on the scoreboard, or just yeah. you know, you'll just see them take off, and you don't really know what happens until you go check the little iPad on the yeah. sideline. Oh shoot! Um, and just see like where the hole was, what defense they lined up in, and like where he got the yards from. But it's either like you see it happen out of the corner of your eye. You look at the scoreboard or you try to catch it on the iPad or you just move on. It's so tough, right? I mean, it, I guess in the NFL, you got the video boards, but I guess like in college or high school, it's so tough, like seeing, okay, like, am I, is he following me? Like, is, do I need to push him out this way or push him out that way? I guess it's just knowing your assignment and then letting the running back make a decision off of you, right? Yeah, no doubt. And never thinking that like your block's over because there's like a practice speed where you kind of right. fit up your block, you drive your guy. And then, like, there's kind of a timer in your head. Uh -huh. Well, that timer's got to be a little bit longer on game day because you never know what's happening behind. Yeah. Um, there was one play where he kind of bounced it to the right, and we didn't really expect the ball to go, and he ended up bouncing and taking it 10, 15 yards. And me and Ole were kind of like, okay. Good thing we held on because <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't really know where it was going. Speaking of Ole, he's like the one offensive lineman that we don't really know much about outside of him being from North Carolina, going to Elon, and then – moving from tackle to guard, but he's done a phenomenal job. So as a teammate, who is Oli, Oli Udo? Uh, he's a great guy. He's one okay. of the guys. Um, he's really fun to be around. He's really smart. He's really intelligent. Um, comes from a really smart family. Okay. Um, his little brother plays football at NC State right now. Yep. Um, another big dude. So, you know, Garrett's got that connection with him. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been in individual drills with Oli for three years because right. he played tackle a couple times. So. Yep. Um, I know Oli really well. Um, we hang out outside of here every now and then, so he's a good dude. Yeah. He's just quiet, but like once like you know him and you're yeah. like he's you're his guy and he's your guy, he opens up. Okay. We were we were thinking about having him on the show this week. Maybe the next time you come on, we'll we'll bring him on with just to just to get you guys just to talk a little bit because he's one of those guys. It's like, man, like this guy is really good, and we we just want to know a little bit more about him. So the more as time progresses, I'm sure we'll get to know him a little bit more and see how you guys together because how you guys have gelled over the first three games I can only imagine it's going to continue to get better with time and protecting Kirk who has been on fire right now um, I'm sure you guys take pride in just making sure he continues that that run right yeah no doubt I think you know you're never where you want to be I think my working relationship with Ole in terms of making plays on the field isn't as good now as it hopefully is yeah. in three weeks from now and six weeks from now at the end of the season because um, you're always just looking to try to do things a little bit better, but we're speaking the same language. We don't have to make, we can kind of use co-words. We yeah. can kind of, we don't really have to talk all the time about what we're seeing because we kind of know because yeah. for the past three years, I'd be talking to him or I'd come off the sideline and be like, hey, what'd you see here? Yeah. So I kind of understand how he thinks and sees things. So just got to keep trying to get better. So with this Cleveland Browns team, I'm not even going to name off stats because I know you don't care about the opponent. You don't care about who's front of you, but facing a good defense the way they are, what is the mindset knowing that they are known for being a stout defense? Don't back down. I mean, we're known for being a stout offense. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have a standard that we like to play at. And, um, you know, we have the utmost respect for them. You yeah. know, they're good players. We're not taking anything lightly. Um, ton of talent across the board. Um, so, you know, and obviously Coach Stefanski knows our offense pretty well from yeah. his time here. Um, so, you know, it's a big challenge, but, you know, it's a big challenge every week in the NFL. You yeah. got to man up and go meet it and throw your best, throw your best shot.
Thank you, Brian O'Neill. Ben Lieber and I will be right back after the break to preview the Cleveland Browns. All right, we are back. This is The Audible presented by Verizon. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ben Lieber. And Ben, we got the two helmets here. You had on one of the helmets yeah. before we started the show. And it's the Browns helmet. And I'm hoping their linebackers play the way you play right now because this is going to be a really good matchup. Yeah, well, if they, if they play like I've played or, or even right now, we're going we're gonna to kick their butts. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope they played like I played. Um, Not the way you played, duh, but the way you play now. Because I know you, you probably, when's the last time you like tackled somebody outside of your kids? That 2011. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I think, I think the Rams even say like, I'm not even sure you actually like played for us. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? Like, I really had just a cup of coffee with the Rams and I'm like, peace out. I'm out. I'm going to collect my, my 10th year and I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, this is an interesting matchup because both teams know each other so well, yeah. you know, and, and everybody knows the Stefanski story, you know, and, and Zim is so experienced. He's, he's seen and done everything. I think, I think the interesting thing, thing about this game is there's there's no sugar coating or or, or trickeration that's going to happen yeah. like they know what offensive scheme we run they know that we're an outside zone team and we like play action off of it we know that they are um a zone team as well that has a little bit of uh pin and pull gap scheme stuff with they with their their offensive guards and we know that they're going to use play action and boot yeah that's that's it you know so it's we're going to run the ball they're going to run the ball and, and whoever does a better job stopping each other's run game is, is most likely going to win the game. Although I would say the passing game does favor us as the yeah. Vikings and Kirk Cousins. I think he, even if we had to put it in his hands and they, and they shut down whatever running back we have back there, um, I would trust that our receivers and Cousins will have a better, better job than I think Mayfield and, uh, and their receivers against our defense. That's an interesting point that you say because they – they have a really good secondary. We have a really good secondary. Jarvis Landry probably won't play, but they still got an OBJ who's still trying to work his mm -hmm. way back in. So I think that plays into our advantage there. I'm with you. When, when Baker Mayfield, when he makes his mind up that he's not throwing the ball, he's not going to throw it. So I think you made a point earlier this week that Baker Mayfield pretty much has his mind set on who he's going to. And if it's not going there, he's either going to fit the ball in, which probably could result in an interception for us, or it's going to be a, a really good throw. Yeah, it's interesting watching his film breakdown. You know, when I watched him coming out of college, Oklahoma, I was the one that, one of the ones uh, around here that was saying, look, he's not Johnny Manziel, yep. you guys. Like, he, he's a pocket passer. Like, you watch his games at Oklahoma, and they had him going through his progressions. He wanted to be more of a pocket passer. Then he would use his legs to get out of trouble. But in the NFL, it's a little different. He, he's not really going through his progressions. He, he looks at his first and second read. And then, like you, like you mentioned, it's not so much I'm going to scramble and extend time and let our guys kind of just freelance and get open. He just tucks and runs. Right. He just becomes a running back. It's been effective, but I just think that that's not a recipe for success long term. If you just shut down his first and second read, yep. you go ahead and be Mr. Running Back all you want. You're yep. going to get killed. You're going to get yourself hurt. And you're not going to pick up as much yards as you throw the ball down the field to your talented wide receivers. Um, so I think his game has actually taken a little bit of a regression. Um, and, and I think that we can capitalize that uh, off of that. 
I know Sheldon Richardson said, Richardson said earlier in the week, of course we know Sheldon Richardson spent his last two seasons in Cleveland, and he said on our Vikings Vantage podcast that if we want to win or our best chance or any team's best chance of having success against the Browns, is let Baker, Mill, let Baker Mayfield beat you with his arm. So to your point there, I think that's a recipe for success. But I want to talk about these matchups to watch. Mm-hmm. For me, it's I think the obvious thing for me is their defensive ends versus our tackles. Yeah, they got Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett coming. They had six combined sacks last week. Miles Garrett had four against Rashad Hill and Brian O'Neill. I mean, outside looking in, you're you're thinking, okay, well Brian O'Neill should be able to handle his own. But Rashad Hill, like, do we do we need to use a a tight end to help Chip or a CJ mm-hmm. Ham to help Chip to make sure Chip block to make sure Kirk Cousins has that extra time in the pocket, or do you attack it the way you did the, the Arizona Cardinals? You run downhill, and then when the defensive ends get upfield, you just throw a screen pass over the top of them. So I know Clint Kubiak has his hands full, but I think there, there is a way that you can capitalize on these dynamic defensive ends and those guys. Well, you look at the, the, the Browns' last game that they played, the very first play that their defense was on the field, they ran, they ran an, uh, a, little, a little dive play in the, in the B-gap yep. right, right where – uh, Miles Garrett is, and yep. and when you see Garrett just go, he goes first down, Outside. first down play of the game. He's he's running after the the quarterback like it's gonna be a pass. Yep. That's just his mentality. So I do think you know going back to your point, the way we face Chandler Jones is, I, I think that we can use his aggressive style against him. Yep. Uh, I do think that we can find ways to you know if you have to, you you have to max protect at times. You yep. know you got to keep a fullback in there at times, put it, put a tight end over there with him. You know, I think it's, it gets a little hairy and a little tricky when they put them together, you know, Clowney and Garrett will line up on the same side and that, and that does get a little bit scary. Um, But look, every, every defense has those one or two defensive players that you have to key in on. Um, You know, last week was Jamal Adams, you know, and they did a good job of, of, you know, minimizing his difference making plays. I don't think he had one splash play in the game. He had a a bunch of tackles uh, because he's an active player. But he didn't wreck the game. And, and I do think that um, that's very much a possibility for our offense is to, is to minimize him, you know, use his aggressiveness against him. Um, and, and some of his sacks are, are just him timing up the snap. Yeah. And, and I think that he's phenomenal with his first step. He's, he's great at, at watching the ball movement. He, you, can, you can tell he studies yeah. the, the rhythm of the quarterback and watching uh, this, the, the center snap and go through his process. And so sometimes he's getting these snacks, these sacks because he's a step and a half past the offensive tackle before they even get out of their stands. Snacks too. Yeah, <laughs> snacks. It'd be nice to have some snacks on the sideline. But I, I do think that we can use all of that against him. Mix yeah. up the snap counts, put extra guys on him, you know, boot around, use his aggressiveness against him, and, um, and keep him on his heels. Baker Mayfield, uh, one thing I, after watching film, Baker Mayfield will force those like we just got done talking about. And a lot of their combinations that they like to do is high-load the linebackers. Mm-hmm. So they'll run a hitch in front of the linebacker, try to get him to jump, and they'll run like an in route or something over top and basically get a big yardage. Or if he jumps the, 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 the longer route, they'll just throw the hitch and get five or six more yards. That's probably something that concerns me. But one thing that you're watching is their running backs versus our linebackers. Why? Well, they run so many screen passes. Um, that is a really – that is a big part of their, their passing philosophy. And, you know, for us and what Clint's been showing is he'll mix it in every once in a while just to keep you honest. Yeah. 
what Stefanski's doing there is that's very much part of their game plan okay. is to get their running backs involved um, in the passing game. So I, I do think that you know, there are going to be times where it's going to be zone coverage and maybe the linebackers don't specifically have a running back. But by and large, our, our linebackers versus their running backs in the pass game, I think is going to be a huge thing to watch. How excited are you to see Kevin Stefanski? I'm <laughs> pretty excited. <laughs> pretty excited, man. It'll be, it'll be good to see him. I've seen him a little bit in the offseason. Okay. Um, and uh, it'll be good to see him like in his element. You know, yeah. I've seen him a couple times outside of the football world nice. where he's a little bit more of a, yeah. you know, in, in normal person mode. Uh, but it'll <laughs> be good to see him sort of in his element, you yeah. know, with his game face on. You know, I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm sure his family will probably be back. Um, so it'll be good to, to maybe run into his, his wife and kids as well. Man, I'm excited for Sunday. This is, these are the games that you live for. This is, you know, a really good playoff bound team in the Cleveland Browns that made a run last year could have went deeper against a new look Vikings team that's finally starting to find their way so it'll be good versus good man versus man and I think the best team will come out and win well Vikings fans we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday you can tune in 12 p.m. on CBS Kevin Harlan Trent Green Melanie Collins they'll be on the actual national broadcast and then Ben Lever voice of the Vikings Paul Allen and Pete Bursich will be on the KFAN radio show pregame show starts at 10 a.m sure so make sure you yeah. guys tune in to that also for ben lieber brian o'neill my name is gabe henderson this is the audible presented by verizon see you next week and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the audible the audible is presented by verizon with 5g built right for the vikings minnesota can scream stream and share every play in verizon 5g quality